Good morning, everyone. I'm sitting here like this is London, baby. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it's a gloomy day in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, where I am currently in uh, doing a training for my job. And I'm here for nine days, and it feels like it's forever. When you are as family as oriented as I am, I like to be close to my husband, my children, and be in the same state for that matter. Um, it's hard to get away for so many days and be away from your family. But during this season of my life, <clears throat> I feel that God drives us and guides us to these little journeys in our lives in order to separate us from the noise that is in the background, the noise that is taking away from us giving him our full attention. So I feel like this is a time um, of rest, a time to seek him, and a time to listen to him to see what he has to say to me. So, you know, if you find yourself alone for a season, it's not because nobody likes you or nobody wants to be around you or, you know, it, that's just the way it is. No, it's not. Sometimes, you know, God is trying to get our attention and he can't get our attention. So, he has to pull us away from everything that is distracting us in order to have his full attention or to have our full attention so that he can talk to us and tell us what it is that he wants to let us know, what it is that he's trying to convey to us. So during this season in my life, that's the way I feel right now. I feel like God has led me here for a reason and a purpose, not only for training, but for another reason and another purpose. Um, Every day in the morning, I get a text from a dear friend of mine who is currently fighting breast cancer. She has been fighting breast cancer for a number of years now. For a season, she was um, healed from it, and now it came back, and she had to have a double mastectomy, and now she's going through the process. But it's amazing how during this process, she has decided no matter what, to put her trust and to put her eyes on Jesus. That she's not going to allow anything to deter her from that journey that she's going through right now. Because she she went she went somewhere to take care of some business that she needed to take care and um, with real estate. And while she was there, she realized that it wasn't a coincidence that God took her where she is right now. And she finds herself on a journey with God listening and waiting on him for his instruction. And she's away from the noise. She's away from the distraction. She's away from every, every person that pulls from her from this way and that way. And, and now she is on a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus listening to what he has to say, listening to his instruction, and putting her total trust on him. And so sometimes that's what 
needs to happen. We need to be separated. We need to be taken to a place of silence, a place where there is no constant distraction so that we are able to listen to God's voice to see what he has to say to us. And sometimes, you know, we we want to run the other way when God is saying, come this way, and you want to go the opposite way. Trust me, I know I've been there. I've been there. And um, in this time of my life, I feel like God is pulling me to, to, uh, to seek him more, to read the word more, to pray more. Um, and before the beginning of the year, I know a lot of people make New Year's resolutions, but I didn't want to make a New Year's resolution. What I wanted to do was I wanted to stay constant. I wanted to stay consistent in reading the word of God. So I started last year um, to, my goal was to finish reading the Bible in one year. And um, I'm at the end of the Bible. I am right now in the book of Hebrews. And so I started from Genesis, and what I would do is I would read uh, a couple of chapters from Genesis. I read uh, a couple of chapters in through the middle of the Bible. You know already that is Psalms 119 is one of the longest Psalms of the Bible, and so and then I read from the the prophets, you know, and so then I made my way to the Gospels, which is uh, Mark, Matthew, John and Luke. I read, um, so now I'm in the book of Hebrews. I finished reading the Old Testament. I passed the middle of the Bible, the small prophets, and now I'm making my way towards the end of the Bible. And I'm not going to stop there. Just because I read the Bible in one year doesn't mean that I don't get to pick it up and read it anymore. Because let me tell you, we we read the, the Word of God, and we might look at a verse a couple of times, and then one day you read it, and bam, you get a revelation that you did not get before. So don't think that reading the Bible, uh, you know, over and over again, it's not making any sense or it's not doing anything. Actually, it is building you up and it's filling your spirit with the word of God. Because when you least expect it, a verse is going to come up to you. It's going to come up in a situation or, or, or something. And then you might read that verse today, and then tomorrow you'll catch a revelation. You're like, oh, wow, thank you, Lord. You might need that word for that situation that you're going through. So I decided that I was going to be reading the Bible in one year. And it's been an awesome experience to be able to read the word. <clears throat> and um, just in, in the Old Testament alone, reading about all the kings, all the kings that had a choice to uh, run a nation right guided by God and a lot of these kings refused to listen to God's um, advice to to listen to his guidance and so most of the time he will send a prophet to give them a word and these uh, kings just wanted to do whatever they wanted to do and un unfortunately due to their disobedience their their time of reign in that specific nation came to an abrupt end because they did not listen to instruction and they were either uh, destroyed, they were inflicted with disease, they were captured, their whole kingdom was captured and plundered. And so, because, you know, sometimes we could be hardhead and we want to do whatever we want to do. 
But the word of God says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Therefore, we cannot live like other people live. We cannot do the same things that other people do. You know, um, I, I sometimes wonder, and I'm not judging anybody because um, it's not my place to judge or, you know, to say anything of that nature because God is our judge. But if we're going to seek God with our whole heart and we want God to bless us and we want to grow spiritually with him. We cannot partake of the things that we used to partake. For instance, if, if before giving your life to the Lord, you were a drinker and you used to party all the time. Um, once you come to, to God, one of the things that you need to begin to change is, um, is changing those things that you used to do before. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen overnight because I would be lying to you if I say it's going to happen overnight. Because once you give your life to Jesus, you know, and you allow him to be the Lord and the master of your life, he begins to work with you. Holy Spirit comes to abide in you. Our, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit begins to abide in you. And he begins to help you change those things that you used to do. And how do you change those things that you used to do? You do it by reading the word of God and praying every day. Prayer is a communication with God. We pray to him. He communicates with us and vice versa. So in order for you to start to begin, begin to make those changes, you need to allow the spirit of God to guide you. The word of God says to not be drunk with wine. And I know some people drink wine on occasion and whatnot, whatever. I just... I don't drink because my body cannot um, sustain it. And I also don't drink because it's a choice. Because I know that if I drink, it's not going to be for me. Uh, it's not going to be good for me emotionally and spiritually. So I abstain from doing that. I do not go out clubbing. I do not go to bars. And I do not put myself in situations that would uh, jeopardize my integrity <coughs> and my walk with the Lord. And another thing, you know, if you're a person that used to swear like a sailor, begin to change the way that you speak. There's no reason to have a F word in between two, three words when you're having a conversation with somebody. You know, to tell you the truth, for me, it's very uncomfortable. And um, and I feel like my ears, like, like, shut down. Every time I speak to somebody and they're cursing constantly, you know, I, I tell people, hey, be yourself. You don't have to change on account of me. When you're around me, be yourself. But for me, whenever I hear somebody constantly curse in front of me, you know, I feel the conviction of the of the Spirit of God for them. It's like, oh, my God, why is this person cursing so much? And it's like so, to me, it's annoying and it's disrespectful when you're, when you're having a conversation with somebody and this person has to say a curse word in between every other word that that they're saying or speaking and that's not necessary you know you can have a conversation with somebody without having to curse every other word like seriously so that's one of the things that we have to change is do one of those change the way that you speak another another thing is if you used to dress if you're a woman if you used to dress a little bit provocative or provocative is the only way that you are used to dress Listen, there's ways where you can dress, still be fashionable and look beautiful without having to show your body parts, you know. And um, so 
find ways where you can dress with the fashion that you like without having to show your belly all the time, show your cleavage all the time, you know, show your legs all the time. I wear short dresses. I try not to go uh, over uh, three inches above my knee. Um, and I dress modest. I do not show my cleavage because the, the my cleavage is to show it off to my husband, not to show it to to everybody in the world. Even if, if you're a single woman. Listen, you don't know if one day you go out and... You know, you meet your future husband and your future husband was praying for his future wife in a specific way. And his prayer must have must have sound like maybe, Lord, you know, I pray that my future wife is not the kind of woman that will show off her body, show off her cleavage and and wear and and dress uh, uh, provocative, you know, to draw attention from other men, but that she will dress to please me. You know, when I dress up and I put on a dress and for me, it seems that it's a little tight. I'll ask my husband, hey, babe, do you think this dress is a little tight? If he says, no, no, it looks great on you. I'll wear it because I'm going to be with him. Um, I won't wear the dress if I'm not going anywhere without him. So and if I wear a dress with a little cleavage, it's because I'm going out with him on the night. And I want to do it to please him so that I can look beautiful for him. I'm not doing it to draw attention to men um, towards me. It's not my intentions at all. So, just a little tip. Also, um, you know, if you're in a relationship right now, in a relationship where you are uh, engaged to be married, one of the most important things that you need to do during your relationship before you enter into marriage is that you have open communication with your future spouse. You know, don't hide things from him. Don't be secretive. And, um, you know, if you have a fear of something or something is bothering you, don't keep it to yourself. Open up to your to your uh, to your fiance or to your boyfriend and let him know, hey, this is the way I feel or I feel like, you know, um, you're not respecting me in this area or, you know, whatever the situation is, bring it up to him. And if, if it's a guy, you know, bring it up to her. Listen, uh, respect is um, a two-way street. It's not, you know, you respect me and then I'll, and, and, uh, I'll respect you and then you treat the other person, you know, like, like garbage or vice versa, you know. Let me tell you something. Men thrive by respect. When you respect a man, they... they they blossom and they grow into these amazing men. But when you disrespect a man, you hurt their ego. And um, they will feel a certain type of way. And the reaction that you get from them is not going to be a good one. Us women, we were created to be nurturers. We are creatures of love. We are creatures of um, uh, always wanted to, wanting to nurture somebody, take care of someone. And that's the way God created us. He created us to be emotional beings. Because he knew that, uh, you know, that there had to be a balance. There had to be a balance of somebody that was going to be the, the emotional part of the relationship to balance that relationship. Can you imagine if God created us hardcore just like men? I don't think, I think we would be a hot mess because we would not be able to balance each other. Therefore, we balance each other. You know, my husband is a little more explosive. I'm a little, uh, a little more calmed down like before. Before I got married, when I was single, I used to have a really bad temper. And I would always used to ask the Lord to help me with that. And um, what I would do is, <coughs> whenever I would get mad, 
really mad. Um, I would start tossing and, and throwing stuff, and I was like, uh-uh, this cannot be happening. So what I would do is I would turn up the music, and I would start cleaning. And then cleaning would help me to uh, let go of all that hard energy, all that explosive um, negative energy that I had while, while under anger, and I would release it. And then by the time I was done cleaning, I felt relaxed, I felt good, you know. And another thing is that I used to do is that I used to hold grudges towards people. I would get mad at people for days, weeks, sometimes months, not talk to a person, and that is not good. That creates bitterness and anger. It creates resentment, and what that brings is it brings um, depression, and it brings um, other things with it, offense, hurt, pain. And you, you're going to be walking around with all these baggages um, with you, you know, because when you get depressed, depression doesn't come by itself. It has other friends with it. And they'll come and they'll make a house in your heart and they'll be there for however long they have to, squatting in your heart without permission, without paying rent. Uh-uh. You cannot allow the enemy to use you as his puppet. Do not allow the enemy to put strings on you. <clears throat> on your emotions, to put strings on your soul, to put strings on your on your mind, and to uh, manipulate you like a puppet. Do not allow the enemy to do that. Have have a great communication with your spouse. Talk to your spouse, and uh, allow allow um, God to be in the midst of the of the relationship from the beginning even when you are in that court courting season and i know a lot of people well, what the heck is courting you know people don't use that word anymore listen <clears throat> courting is the season um in a relationship where a man and a woman <coughs> excuse me um <coughs> start to get to know each other they begin to know what they're uh, to find out what each other is about you know, what, what, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? What's your favorite color? Your birthday? You know, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? What are your dislikes and likes? You know, what are the places that you like to visit? Do you like to run? Do you like to jog? Do you like to exercise? Do you like to paint? Do you like to do photography? Do you like to just chill and read a book, listen to music, do poetry, write a song? Or do you want to, um, you know, climb uh, the Himalayan mountain or go to Japan and, and, and walk the wall? I mean, what is it that you like? Find out what your man likes. Find out what your woman likes. That is what courting is all about courting is about getting to know the other person getting to know each other before you enter into marriage and that's why back in the days when a woman was courted by a man the man the, the man would come to the house calling on the woman before he would even present himself to the house he would write a letter to the father with his intentions of coming to call um Coming to call on the woman meant that he wanted to come visit her. So before he did that, he would write a letter to the parents of the woman that he wanted to court. And he would draw his intentions on that letter. Dear Mr. So-and-so, um, I would like to call on your daughter um, because, um, you know, she, I like her and I think she would be a great partner for me. And I would like to get to know her a little better, but I would like your permission and your blessing. This was just to, this was just to date the girl. I mean, seriously. And then, if the father and the and the mother felt that this 
guy was a good match for their daughter, then they will give him permission to start courting their daughter. And let me tell you, that guy was not allowed to kiss the girl until he asked the father if it was okay. Can I have permission to kiss your daughter? There was none of this, you know, um, uh, smooching or kissing or anything of that without the parents' permission or without the parents knowing. That's the way things were done before. And when the guy would start courting the girl, they would have a chaperone. They were not allowed to go anywhere by themselves. That's the way it was back in the days, you know. And <clears throat> these are great traditions that um, that would be awesome nowadays. <clears throat> and a lot of people might say, oh, but that's crazy. You know, you chaperone, you can't even hold hands, whatever. But that's what it was about. It was about having somebody there to keep a watch on you so that you would not do anything that would compromise. Because let me tell you something. Back in the days, if a woman was touched by a man in public and the woman and the man were not married, she was immediately stained. Her reputation would be on the floor, and um, this girl would not get any um, guys wanting to court her because pretty much she had a reputation. She was stained. She was dirty pretty much because the guy touched her, you know? So, you know, the, the level of respect back then was huge, and the level of... Um, of a man being a gentleman with a, a gentleman with a woman was huge. You know, when they will meet a woman, they will um, they will curtsy. You know, um, uh, with their with their with their with their body and look at the woman in the eye and you know or you know grab them by the hand and and kiss them on the on the on the on the top of the hand. But this was done before it, uh, the presence of the parents. It, it was uh, considered to be very proper to kiss a woman in the hand. And it was, you know, it was, it's a pleasure to meet you, you know. And, I mean, <coughs> sometimes I feel like um, <laughs> I was meant to be back in the 1900s era when women wore those big dresses. The Victorian era, I think it's absolutely beautiful. I love watching movies from that time. Um, just... Uh, to see the fashion that the women wear and just the way that men were towards women, the, res the level of respect and the whole process about courting, the uh, leading on to the engagement and then the marriage and how the moms were always looking for a man that was, that was well-bred. In other words, a man that was wealthy because the mom's thought was, I want my daughter to, to live a good life. I don't want her to want for nothing. I don't want her to have to, you know, um, scramble to, to, to make ends meet. So she wanted to make sure that not only that, that her future daughter's husband was uh, wealthy, but that he was, uh, had a title in society, that he was a known as somebody that was the, the creme of the creme, you know, aristocrat. So and then the father, of course, uh, wanted the same thing for the daughter and also wanted to make sure that the man that one wanted or wanted, had intentions to marry his daughter was a man of great, um, uh, had a great reputation, a man that was respected in the, in the upper society, a man that had a great position so that he was able to take care of, of his daughter. So, you know times have changed so in so many ways nowadays you know kids date and you know they 
they start having sex before they even get to know each other really well. Um, there's lack of respect um, on account of men towards women nowadays and vice versa. You know, everything has changed. And so it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, this is the world that we live in now. And what can we do, right? We can try to put in our part to try to make a difference in this world. But, you know, sometimes it's not enough. So I wanted to come on here this morning just to share my thoughts with you. <clears throat> and I hope that, you know, that this, this message encourages you to, um, to reach, you know, to reach for the, the stars and, and get closer to God. Seek Him more and, and open yourself up to Him and talk to Him and let Him know what is it that it's hurting you. What is it that you need to change in your life and, and seek Him in that matter. And don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams and, and continue to walk with him by your side and allow him to come into your secret garden and be with him and allow him to love on you. <clears throat> and listen, God accepts you the way that you are. He's not going to reject you. His word says, come as you are. He's not telling you to oh, oh, get your, your life together and then when you get yourself together, then come and see me. That's not the kind of God that we serve. The God that we serve is an amazing God. So seek him and allow him to love on you. So um, I just wanted to uh, just share this, these words with you and encourage you. I hope that you have a beautiful day. God bless you. Until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>